Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 242. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinisky. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Good. Not hungover, I see. Nope, 100% not hungover. You do seem more lively. I'm much, much better than I was last, last time. Last uh, last time? time. <laughs> Maybe not 100% better, but better. Uh, well, Jan and I went to go see a play last night. and like, So cultured. I know, I'm very cultured. <laughs> <laughs> but like... So the last time I like went out like in, like to a bar was to the saloon, which mm-hmm. is in Minneapolis gay bar, because they were doing their vaccine drive there. And so like I recall that story I right very now. very very rarely get mixed drinks at a bar, and so I just don't point blank because I black out. But I think you handle them better than that. Yeah, I do. Um, and so yeah, like at the saloon, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna have like one drink, and it's gonna put me on my level. This is gonna be great. And and then. Yeah, then I had a hangover after that. Um, but this time, I had a mixed drink from a not-gay bar, and it was basically, it was a rum and coke, and it was just a like, coke with like, a bottle of rum that had been opened next to it and sat next to my drink. Ah, the facility was, that was I, also processing peanuts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was. They were also processing mixed drinks, because I did not taste any of the rum. I watched her make it. I watched her pour the rum in. I didn't taste any of it. So they ran out of rum the previous night, but they still had two ounces left in the 64-ounce bottle, so they filled the rest with water? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, see, this is the thing. is like when you go to like the saloon, when they pour their drink, your drink, they pour the liquor in. When they get to about a quarter of a cup, then they start putting in the, say you're getting rum and Coke, mm-hmm. then they put in the Coke. Sure. And they continue pouring the rum as they're pouring the Coke, which is a lot of rum. It's basically, it. a, it's basically a cup of rum. Um, <laughs> now, when you say a cup, are you talking the measurement cup or like like a, a pint cup? Is a cup, like a, like okay. a pint cup, <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a glass of rum, a glass of rum, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, like that's what I was expecting. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be my one drink from the night. And then I'm like, I'd like have that, and then like, is able to have like a glass of wine and a beer. I had like, like, oh, I got the whole triangle going. I got the whole triangle of things. I remember I was, that growing oh. up in middle school, they would show us the food food pyramid. Yeah, they could tell that. us there yeah, was a booze was, pyramid too. Yeah, there was a booze booze pyramid, and it was totally sober by the end of the night. <laughs> this was just it was just normal drinks. <laughs> <laughs> However, the food was delicious there. It was um, what's it called, the Old Blog Theater or something? Hmm. Yeah, they had this uh, place called Cast and Crew, which is like a restaurant next to it. It really it's really, got an edgy name. I know, right? They had really good walleye. It's like it was thirty dollar plate of walleye. It was very good. Love me some walleye. So, yeah, it was oh. it was worth the money. Had that at my company party, and it was honestly decent. It was that's a Marriott. We rented out the ballroom for oh, it. Oh, really? And yeah, it's one of those things where you get a pre-planned like food choice, and it was chicken or walleye. I'm like, if they're offering walleye, it probably doesn't suck. But you don't. It's also ac- had a Marriott. Yeah, you don't accidentally offer walleye. Yeah. Like I just, don't know. It, it's like brisket. You don't accidentally make a brisket. Correct. You don't just like fall over and then just like. It takes some planning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like throw pork belly into like this oven or something. <laughs> like, Oops, I slipped. Uh oh. Guess we're having pork belly. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't like. These are like good meats. It's not like. The thing is, like, like a steak. That's something where I'm, I don't always good because you can accidentally make a steak it's sure. a very easy and very common to fuck up a steak yes but you it's not easy or common to do that to walleye because walleye like 
you have to get a special distributor to like bring you the fish that's probably local well, it's which, not always in stock yeah it's not time. always in stock like if you're gonna have it you're not gonna waste it you're not gonna just like throw it together there's not like a best walleye house like there's a right. best steakhouse you could like, find corner. a three-day-old steak in your refrigerator and be like oh shit yeah well, exactly yeah you're not doing that with i don't walleye. have my cast iron but we're gonna make it anyway you cannot find walleye at aldi correct you can find questionable steak there i have not bought steak at aldi before i've not either no their breakfast sausages are disgusting i haven't bought those either not good. Everything I buy at Aldi, I really like, but I am picky. About the, I yeah, there. I'm very picky about those things. But like, yeah, most things at Aldi, I'm really like they're Girl Scout cookies. German though. Yes, they're Girl Scout cookies. Ten out of ten. That's why I was assuming I was like really like hyped up for German sausages. And then when I was eating them, I remembered German Chris telling me that he had sausages from Aldi. He didn't like them either. What you can do is get the tube, the one pound tube of just sausage in their <laughs> freezer case. And then just like put a little bit of brown sugar and maple syrup into that, and it's that would be really good. good. Yes, that's usually what I do. Anyway, enough of that. Briefly touching on drinks before I cover Patreon, I just finished a Steel Toe Split Point Pilsner, which was in the back bottom level of the refrigerator for over a year. How was it? Uh, it was okay. Sounds like Steel Toe. What um, uh, What do you have there? Well, I've got two beers. I've got a Supra Deluxe Premium Lager that Scott dropped off from Modest. Thank you once again, and, and Patron Scott. And I've also got a ham right sandwich. The hams yeah. will be next episode, so <laughs> now you've got an Easter egg to look out for. Yeah, so now those of you listening to 243, which I assume will be all of you, you know what Ryan's going to be drinking next episode. And I expect that you will forget, and I will tell you on that episode. Perfect. Well, Before no, we dig into the stories. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, still good. Still good. Hmm. And g- give me, give me the tasting notes of Supra Deluxe. I had that at a party last week. It's good. It is light. Okay. Hoppy. Mm-hmm. Not too hoppy. It's hoppy but not bitter. It's it's lightly hopped but it's hop forward. Yeah, it's hop forward but it's not bitter. It's really good. I like it. It's pretty low IBU. I really very, like it. Very low on malt. And also, it's. Yeah, it's only 5% ABV, so like that's yeah. one of my favorites. This for, is a great beer. Yeah. I took uh, Stiegel Radler grapefruit and those. I took four of each to a party, had them all over the course of six hours. Felt totally fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. All right, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. On this Patreon customized webpage thingamajig, you will find two open-ended levels of support for listeners like you to support the people that make the show like us. Patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. Starts at $1.50 a month. <laughs> All right, well, and now, uh, almost one second, four, three, two, one, seven minutes into the <laughs> podcast, we're going to get to our first story, which... We never digress. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, it is Black History Month, and you know that ever since the start of Carbitrage, I've always tried, tried, keyword, <laughs> to, done a pretty good job, frankly. Yeah, we, we, we do, and sometimes it goes into March, because... And I will fully concede, I have done almost nothing. Yeah, no, this is all this, me. That's all like, I, I, like, I actually like wake up early to find these things. No, it's okay. I like actually doing this. <laughs> I saw you editing at 10.30. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, wake up, awake. I wake up early to like... And I was like thinking about this like last <laughs> night. Like I was like watching YouTube videos on these people like to make sure like I made... I had like the coolest people that we've not <laughs> talked about. Um, so for uh, our first... Or I guess... 
second Black History Month highlight of the year. I for sure remember doing one last year. I don't know about two years ago. No, I mean, I, I mean this year. Oh, it, yeah, be, one, one before. Yeah, this is the second week. It was the folks that make the school bus. Yes, yes, uh, C.R. Patterson. Yes. Uh, this time we're going to talk about Richard Spikes, who was born in 1878. Um, this is going to hit the pre-war bell, just so you know, so you might want to have that ready. Uh, Richard Spikes was a inventor, not specifically for cars, um, but he is credited with inventing the automated shifting transmission. In what year? Uh, that would be in 1926. Um, that was good. <laughs> yeah, that was good, wasn't it? I'm glad I stretched beforehand. I didn't want um, to throw my back. But before that. that, he invented the Pierce Arrow turn signal system, which was the... Not trafficators. Turn signals, not trafficators. Very mm-hmm. specific. Yeah, very cool. In 1910, you can hit that bell again. And then uh, in 1936, he invented the... Basically, what is the modern semi-truck braking system? Air brakes? Not air brakes, but you know how they're designed to fail on? Fail secure. Yeah, fail yep. secure brakes. Yep. Yep. He invented a fail secure brake design. Was not this, it was not um, hydraulic, or it was a hydraulic, it was not pneumatic. Okay. So this was used on, like, is an early safety device for trucks. Sure. So before we had that, but his same design has just been adapted. It is kind of curious that brake designs aren't like that always. I know, right? Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. There's actually a lot of car brands, like small makes in the 30s, that when they were first doing hydraulic brakes, did a fail, like a fail secure design. Well, I mean, yeah, all you have to do is like determine the maximum effective effort that you could put on your friction material and then counteract that with a wheel yeah. cylinder. Yeah, that's it. That's very, very easy. Yeah, but um, <laughs> also he invented the beer keg before he did all this. Wow! Before Thank he, you, yeah, Richard. before the turn of the century, actually, he was like in his twenties when he invented it. Can I call him Dick? Yeah, sure. Okay, Dick Spikes. Dick Spikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, maybe I'll go with Richard. <laughs> yeah, I think Richard's a better name. <laughs> okay. Um, but so Richard Spikes, the, this is actually really interesting. Of of all these things, the thing that I think is the coolest is the automated shifting transmission. Is it like a pre-selection or is it... Pre-selector gearbox, okay. yes. That he invented the pre-selector gearbox, which most of the people who are listening to this podcast are not 110 years old and have no idea what the hell a pre-selector gearbox is. Unless they just watched the Gordon GMA T33 announcement, which has a pre-selection box. No way. That's actually really cool. As the auto option, which three people have bought. I, that, I, all right. Now I'm actually more <laughs> interested in that because I just kind of wrote it off. You said automatic. I, okay. Like <laughs> it's like this big. <laughs> yeah, pre-selector gearbox is pretty cool. But so what a what a pre-selector is is basically it does the shifting part for you, you do the clutch part. So it actually takes the like you still shift it and mm-hmm. what it does is it cues up the next gear. So when you're going around a corner, you can press the clutch in right at the right time and keep your hands on the wheel. It's actually why it was created, so you didn't have to move your hands around and do a jig to like <laughs> get to the next gear. But um, pre-selectors actually were kind of not super popular, but popular enough with like early motorsports, actually, because of that same reason, where if you're driving a car that's completely unruly for handling and you have to have a giant steering wheel going like this mm-hmm. you don't want to go like this and then also go like this i know a lot of early 911s were optioned with a pre-selection box yeah that's true so this is uh just a really cool thing i had no idea that that was actually invented by an african-american person so yeah richard spikes who's actually also 
born in, um, he says, that the census data says he's from Texas, though he says he was born in Indian country, in Oklahoma. Now, when you say Indian. Like, in Cherokee Nation. Okay, Native American. Native American. Indigenous peoples. Yes. Okay. But it, it, the, the term in that era was called Indian country. So right. when you look at a map, it would say Indian country. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we don't live in that era anymore. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's, he just had a super cool life. Um, he passed away in 1965. So, I mean, he was also born in 1878. So That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. With zero medical anything, he made it almost 90? Yeah, he, yeah, he did a great job. Good for him. Damn. So must have been using his own pre-selection gearbox to avoid spinning out yes. in corners. <laughs> yeah, no, he made uh, the world a safer place. Uh, did a bunch of other. He had a ton of like other smaller patents that people don't really care that much about. Um, like as far as like the general public that'd be listening to this podcast would be terribly concerned. In but I do have a link here where it's oh cool you have it up with his face on it. So that's what he looks like. He has a nice part in his hair. Um, but yeah, let's see. He also yeah he also had a invention for a self locking rack for billiard cues. Hmm. So like when you go to a pool hall, you'd have to pay to use a pool cue. That is, I mean, those are still I think in use. Yes, it's still his design that's in use. Actually, <laughs> I actually double checked that. It's the same design. <laughs> um, a brake <clears throat> testing machine, like vehicle brakes. Um, they actually have the U.S. patent number, but I'm not going. Put it up. It's um, <laughs> the brake testing machine was um, for testing the brakes actually on trolley cars. Okay. For just making sure that they will function on a hill. Okay. Uh, also, he had a uh, plantograph for conveying electrical current to trolley's wires. Uh, he had a combination milk bottle opener and cover when they were still using glass milk bottles. This dude just made everybody's life better. Like, he's so cool. Um, Going door to door. What grinds your gears? Yeah. Uh, he also, uh, a device that was used to obtain average samples and temperatures of tank liquids. Okay. So okay. That sounds really weird. It does, but like for uh, homogenization and exactly. for like brewing and things yeah. like that, it's really All important. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's still his same patent that's in use today. Um, it's just so cool. The swinging, horizontally swinging barber's chair he invented. What is a horizontally swinging have you ever barber's been to a, chair? Have you ever been to a barber salon to have a haircut? I have. You know the little twirly chair? Mm-hmm. He invented that. What's, why is that different from a chair? Because it twirls. So he invented and the spinning chair? And you can tilt chair? it back. Yeah, he oh, invented okay. the tilting spinning chair that doesn't fall over. Ah, Keyword doesn't fall over because it's very easy to design that chair and have it fall over. Um, yeah, that's what the white people did. But so well, actually, these are really cool. His uh, turn signal that he made for Pierce Arrow, although the patent record doesn't can't be found for that, uh, Pierce Arrow actually credited him. The hmm. company did, which is really really cool for 1910 in the United States that yeah. a company credited a black person with a thing. Anything. Unbelievable. Let alone something so cool. pretty significant. And that makes Pierce Arrow that much cooler. So Too bad they're not still around. Yeah. That it's oh well. <laughs> I mean they did make they made the biggest production car engine ever, so very cool. But anyway. No years were specifically mentioned there, but just know in my head the pre war bell is ringing. Yes, everywhere, all over that. This, this whole thing was all pre war stuff. He d- he retired in the fifties, so 
Oh, so <laughs> almost guaranteed. He worked pretty much his whole life then. Yeah, well, I mean, it also he was inventing things. Like he wanted to do that. He was doing what he loved. I mean, he made a combination milk bottle opener sealer. Yeah, he made all sorts and of and a barber's stuff. chair so. and a beer ke- or the beer tap and the beer keg, the beer keg tap, not the keg. Oh, the keg it's tap. Because kind of what's actually interesting is his tap, the modern tap, also refreshes the beer. What do you mean? Because when it displaces that air. Yeah. It pushes the air through the liquid inside the... Sure. Yeah. So that actually helps with carbonization and keeping the beer fresher. Right. Because, yeah, you put the CO2 in... Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You put it in at the top and the beer flows down. Exactly. It's really, really just a super duper cool thing that he created. So, yeah. I've never cut one of my kegs open, but it would be kind of fascinating. Yeah. Richard Spikes. Coolest dude you've never heard of. So, there you go. That's unfortunately most of black history. Yes. Oh, I've got the next thing. You do? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, well, it finally happened. What did? The, you know, as ever since the game of Carbitrage, we do our, like, our bull bear list, which we still have to do for this year, um, that we sometimes follow up with. Uh, I've, every year, well I've, said. <laughs> I've been saying that the 3000 GT VR4 <clears throat> is going to be that car. It's going to be the well, car we to buy. SLs and garbage ones explode last year. Yeah, and you know what? Us. A uh, 3000 GT VR4 mm-hmm. finally sold for six figures at Bonhams. Well, just barely. <laughs> but it was also at Bonhams, too, which is, like, not the place to go to make big money anymore. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's 19- not even a spider. No, it's a 1999. It's a very final model year. Um, God, they made that car a long time. Yes, they did. <laughs> they made it for literally 10 years. Um, actually, longer... Have 168 miles, or is it 168,000 miles? No, it's 168 miles. Mm. That's why it is. That is okay. That is terrifying. That car will need a complete everything out service. You don't move this at all, okay? Ever for Mm. any reason. But um, yeah, 320 horsepower, 315 pound-feet of torque at that point. All-wheel drive, six-speed manual. I hope they pushed it outside to take these pictures because all of the rubber on that car. Every it, single is, thing is gone in all of its rubber, and yes. you need all the rubber for it to work. Yeah. But, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it is objectively the most original, most best 3000 GT VR4. Wow. Um, but, yeah, also it's Bonham, so I don't... Um, you know, it's an old person because they bought it in 2002. Well, this is my thing is, well, it took Mitsubishi years to sell these cars. I remember working in 2000... When I was working when i took my first job out of high school at a like an automotive thing at luther mitsubishi mm-hmm. only two years prior did they sell their last 3000 gt that was in, in inventory so it's like the e30 m3 like they could they not couldn't move them they could not get rid of it, 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 it objectively it was a hard top very last year sl automatic like it was the one year, there's a reason also it was red so by the time they sold it all the paint had gone wrong. So, like, there's a reason. Like, yeah. All people I mean, if you them. sit on dealer inventory long enough where you start to get, like, long-term issues with the car short-term, yes. that's <laughs> probably not good. But somebody bought it, so good for them. I'm sure they had a happy warranty period. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of wonder if the RSGR got brought here. I mean, they would immediately sell out. Oh, instantly. But... Like, stuff, it was different back in the 90s and the 80s. Like, people didn't want or look at, they, they didn't aspire to, like, a high-performance, like, race car for the road. No. They just, I just don't understand. It's very odd. However, 
um, if you click the other link that I have here, there's another car in the same time period that also hit six figures, which also was previously on our list. It, it's in all capitals. It's a hyperlink. It's the first link, though. Yeah, there we but go. I said the other link. Well, I know, but and I was looking. I, I made it as simple as possible for you to find. No, well, <laughs> should have put it chronologically at the end, then, because I'm dumb. No, last time I did something chronologically, you clicked on the second one first, then yelled at me. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. I even, like, in the hyperlink... Has this car been on fire, Ryan? No, it's not, because it's an Integra. Ah. It's not a CRX. Oh, okay. Uh, a Phoenix Yellow Integra Type <laughs> R... USDM was 7,000 miles. Two-door. Yeah. Um, but 7,000 miles on Breen Trailer sold for uh, $112,112, which is pretty great. That is a lot of money. Yes, it is. Um, but, you know, it's good. I literally can say with confidence that I cannot afford an Integra. Yeah, you cannot afford... <laughs> I love this. this I could so pull up weird. somewhere in my Ferrari and say, I can't afford that Integra. This is so vindicating for high school Ryan. <laughs> because I was like the biggest Honda Elise, and I would like be... I was like cockiest douche, and every kid with like a fucking Maserati. I'd be like, yeah, screw that car. That car sucks. All it's going to do is depreciate. This Honda is going to be worth $100,000 one day. And I'm right. Ha! I don't think anyone at EHS had a Type R. There were a couple GSRs, but there were no Type Rs. No, but there were. Uh, there was a couple GSRs. There was a Celica All Track. There were some cool cars, but it, it was always like the kid that like inherited the Maserati, like Quattroporta. Oh god, yeah. Uh, the Cambio Corsa. He's just like, oof. Yeah, he's like, I got, I got the cool car, and it's like, okay, buddy. No, you don't. Nobody, nobody likes you. Like <laughs> you're, you're, you're a tool. But um. Yeah, no, I'm really happy and really vindicated. Uh, all the people in my Autotech class that were driving highboy pickups and are now doing drugs on their <laughs> fucking farm. Uh, in their eat, trailer. Eat, yeah, you can all eat shit. Um, I'm right. <laughs> so I just love being able to say I'm fucking right. I was right. Like, I told you that I was right, and now I'm right. So here I am. I'm right. I mean, I don't think I even knew that we had a U.S. import ITR until probably... Less than 10 years ago. Yeah, they were uh, imported for like a couple of years. I thought you were going to say like 20 minutes. No, they were like 97, 2001. I think they were just those years. I can't remember. Hmm. Well, either way. I mean, it's definitely... It's Hondas of that era were the best front-wheel drive chassis ever. I mean, it's pretty much... Objectively, that's an objectively true thing. Well, I used to say, like, I told you, I'm like... Every single person that talks shit about Hondas has just never driven a good one. Mm-hmm. And you didn't like Hondas when we were in high school. I still wouldn't buy one, but, but you, I appreciate you, them. You didn't appreciate them at all in high Correct. school. And then because I had my MR2. Yes, but then you ended up getting a EG sedan for a winter car once. You're like, this is good. Phyllis. Yes. You're like, this is a good car. I, I, get, I get the hype. I'm like, yeah, every single person. Does Nobody it? gets the hype until they drive them. What am I hearing? Uh, it sounds like a plow. Oh, there was okay. a plow truck parked in front of the um, I see. five series. Gotcha. Um, yeah. No, I mean, even that four-door auto with, like, really bad CV shafts that are bought yeah, for 500 bucks. It's I'm impossible like, for them to not be fun to drive. Good heat, it's got pretty good steering. The engine's pretty responsive. It's comfy. Yeah, they're good cars. Hmm. Oh, and it gets, like, 40 miles per gallon. Yeah. yeah and, like, D- it, 
Mm-hmm. I don't even know, but it was yeah. Yes. It was a D fifteen, but like th- that's the thing with with like Hondas is this entire type R gets thirty five miles per gallon. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that's a fact. Like it gets thirty five miles per gallon on the highway. It's strange how cars that don't weigh anything. Yeah, I know, right? Get um, good fuel economy. And these engines making four hundred horsepower in E eighty five still get thirty five miles per gallon. It's amazing. I do not believe anything that gets 35 miles per gallon on any sort of pump gas will ever get 35 mpg on E85 just Andrew because Chase's of car its does. caloric energy density. It doesn't make sense. No, his E85 fact, has wait, a lot less energy in it. No, than, no, what his, his engine was, it's supposed to get he he's supposed to get better fuel economy on not E85, correct. but on E85 he gets about 35. Okay. Yeah. That's I could see I'll I'll concede 30. 30, about 35 is what he gets. Like, that's just a fact. We've done. And you would get 40 with regular pumpkin. We've done the math with going to Mankato and back. He gets about 35 miles per gallon on the highway. I need to get when something off Craigslist. Can we take your race car? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, I mean, like, because, like, there's a car show happens in Mankato that we are always recording during that I haven't gone to for the last few years. <laughs> you can I, just, we can postpone. I, this I is the thing the is, I, I find this out the, like, a, when I wake up to, for the podcast, because uh, he makes a... So when I'm already here. Yes. He makes a group, and then I'm like, I don't look at the group, and then I see a post in the group, and I'm like, oh, oops. <laughs> and then I don't go. <laughs> I mean, that was the full story. That was the whole story right there. And that happens every time. But no, he he's made that drive several times in, the, in his Civic. And to be fair, it is a GSR engine. I don't know the specifics of what's going on with it. Um... But it is a GSR engine. He's got like probably the least reliable thirty-five thousand miles I've ever seen anybody have. But it's also completely—I <laughs> think it's completely stock actually, other than the gigantic turbo on it. B eighteen C one's a pretty good engine. Yeah, I think it, I think it's stock, other than E eighty five, a hood exit exhaust, and a gigantic turbo. So a reliable six hundred. 630. No, 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 no. I never said reliable. Oh, but I mean, it, it's it's consistent. I think most of the, most of the issues just come with the fact that he built he did build it on a budget like ten years ago. Hmm. But it's been running, driving, and not blown up for like 10, 15, 10, 13, 13 years. The last time I saw Chase's car, it had a supercharged. Yeah, D- that was D- a very, very, it. very long time ago. <clears throat> it's very different now. But that was probably in high school, which was yeah, very, very, very long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. But no, I mean, the same car is making like. I think he's. I think he's in the high tens now with it. Jeez. That or low elevens. I was watching a Motor Week import tuner thing from the nineties. It yeah. was hilarious, <laughs> and they were like it. bragging about these cars with the big sticky meats in the front, just yeah. like, breaking into the tens. I'm like, dude, you can have a daily driven sedan with street tires in the tens now. Yeah, like, but well, I mean, if you look at, I've actually worked on cars like that, and. That what they were doing was very cool in that era. I love the tech that they did because yeah, they, they had NOS. Well, they had no parts made for the car. Mm-hmm. Everything either had to be adapted or made yourself. So I've told you about pinning the block. What that is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you would pin the block, and then you'd yeah run nitrous, and then you would yeah you would run the tires, and there's like no boost by gear, no traction control. Even the tire compounds weren't that great. Because like really like a like a like a drag radial from that era is about as good as a 
good all season this year. Like, now it is. Compound-wise, yeah. Yeah, compound. That's what I mean as far as compound goes. So, yeah, like, it makes sense that they weren't doing all, like, that great. It's just, like, really cool. Like, they found out that um, a really cheap way to get to get rid of rear-end kind of drop when you take off is you actually take two sets of stock springs, you cut the bottom coil off of them, you twist them together. <laughs> and what happens is the spring drops about an inch and then locks in place. Sure. And sends all the weight back up front. <laughs> and then you have traction. I'm picturing like one of those big like uh, teeter-totters full of water slinging back and forth. <laughs> Pretty similar, actually, yeah. But, um, yeah, they would. Uh, I've actually done that before on a car where we built a car in a barn and, yeah, took two sets of stock springs, twist them together, and... Very noticeable difference in takeoff. Hmm. Like, it's great. It made a huge 60-foot difference. Backyard engineering is not inherently <laughs> inferior to real no, engineering. like, I mean, you can go, you can run 10 seconds on a all-motor nitrous, you know, Honda Integra, or Acura Integra or Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. And, um, You're confused by the new release, yeah, aren't know, right? you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you could do that in, like, 1997 with just crap that you made out of like Menard not to mention stuff. like to your point with like the engine management standalones being quite a bit worse then than they are now and uh, yeah, oh my god just no. like the turbochargers too i again also have I, I once came across a car in wisconsin that was being parted out and took the entire engine management system from it and it was all from 2002 wow oh my i actually ran that <clears throat> for a while and boy howdy did it do some <laughs> weird things <laughs> Because all you were doing at that point in time was just tricking the computers into yeah. oh, like... Oh, it was uh, Greta E-Manage. It was all... It was... Oh, my God. It was so bad. Yep. It, this is... Um, what was it called? Zedine, I think was the name of it. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. It was Australian. They were actually really popular for a while. Oh, my. But I, they switched... They, they moved away from Hondas. And I think they're like working on Paraguas or some weird... Pacific like, Rim car. Yeah, Pacific Rim car now. But they wow. still... Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Acura Integra. Now $100,000 car. Perfect. All right, no longer a bridge collapsing topic, but the infrastructure meeting that Biden was on his way to when the bridge collapsed two weeks ago yes. got done. And uh, good news for EV people, and this got passed in a bipartisan effort, which is, I couldn't believe that when I saw it, but confirmed it on multiple news sources. That's amazing. There's a $5 billion five-year infrastructure deal uh, with federal funding to put a high-speed CCS charger or charge station every 50 miles on interstates in the U.S., with an additional, and I had to find this out later, $2.5 billion of, like, discretionary grant funds for oh, cool. cities and municipalities to apply for oh, for rad. EV charging. So That's super cool. This is huge. I mean, this is not as significant, obviously. It's like the Interstate Act in the 50s, but it's pretty significant. This is the Interstate Act in the 50s for EVs. Oh, yeah. Because actually, Marketplace is talking about this, and they're talking about how... Um, Similar to how Americans buy trucks, mm-hmm. you very rarely go on a road trip. But it's, it's arranged anxiety for a road trip that stops people from buying an EV. And this is fixing that. Yep. And now we have to find a word to get silica for like, processors and components and computers. Silicon. And, silicon, sorry. Um, I was going to say, what are we making out of glass? I mean, yeah, silicon. <laughs> you have to That's figure funny. out how. Now you have to get the actual <clears throat> stuff to make the car, which is. And the charger. Yes, and the charger. There's a processor in each one of those, too. <laughs> so, okay, cool. But, like, what are, we gonna, what are we doing here? The the raw silicon isn't actually the thing holding it back. It's largely the interposer. So, to 
what you said. Yeah. It, silica. Yeah. It's, a lot of that is made out of fiberglass, which yeah, has silica that's a, in it. So what it's, yeah, that's what I was originally There's a lot. About, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we are going to be dealing with shortages and just ripples on for the next years. This is kind of what happens in America every hundred years. It seems like we just, every hundred or so years, we have a crisis where we have to completely reinvent the whole country because we don't look at what's happening else in the world and say, hey, this is going to happen too. Like, <laughs> Yes. We're in a global <laughs> weird situation with you know pandemic and like uh, really social media is a huge issue too. I'm sure you guys aren't Ooh. finding us on social media, but there is uh, coronavirus was the biggest deal in the fact that it shut down different industries for different amounts of time in different parts of the year, and just like nothing can get its shit together and actually get back to equilibrium and won't be for the next several years. But I, that's a huge digression, I guess, from the EV charging bill. And to come back to what you were talking about earlier, yes, it's the 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 one percent of the time case that you have to actually build infrastructure for for these people with electric pickup trucks or people doing road trips so speaking of social media mm-hmm. and speaking of processors and computer okay. bits <laughs> that's a good segue i'll take in, it nvidia is actually worth more than facebook now good meta although um, i have mixed feelings on nvidia too but yeah i mean but still Fuck Meta. Like, they can eat shit. Also, they have had a huge drop-off in the number of active users recently, haven't they? Yes, that's why the, their market cap has fallen so much. Good, maybe I should do that, too. What? Not use Stop it? Stop use Facebook? I've been thinking about it. But also they own Instagram. So I know. Like, I'd yeah. like one of the two. Yeah. I, I really would like uh, Congress to, like, bust up <laughs> this giant trust. It'd be here. nice. It'd be really good. So I could just, like, not give them my money. And also, I'm kind of okay with a bunch of socialists cutting off uh, Mark Zuckerberg's head. So, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about that. I've just been watching a lot of Peaky Blinders, so I'm getting a lot of the cutting off of the heads and the socialism. Yeah, okay. Good Lord. But uh, I'm excited. I mean, these will be very likely CCS stations. My car currently doesn't support that, but there are aftermarket adapters that work for it. The main so thing s- is my next EV won't be a Tesla. And right now... Yeah, well, yeah. The Tesla charging network is so much better, not just because of how much more frequently they're placed, but because you can count on them to always work. And the biggest thing with current CCS charging, really sporadic, all different companies, you can't confirm they're operational, and usually it's two to four. It's not standardized. It's not standardized. This will fix a lot of that, and it's hugely important for the people that do elect to go with a plug-in hybrid or a full electric vehicle in the next 10, 15 years. So, yeah, it's um, a big thing. I'm not going to lie. That was actually my big thing was with not getting an EV this time for my daily when I got the V out was charging. Like that was my big thing. And also just like, it, it's totally unregulated. That was my biggest issue with it. Cause it's like, I don't want to be like stuck in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere and be stuck with a very shitty CCS charger and then like fuck up my battery, you know? Oh, it just won't work. Yeah, well, I mean, like, or, like, have it, like, not charge it correctly or have it, like, cause another electrical problem or have some sort of weird thing happen because it isn't standardized. That's like, pretty much not possible, luckily, because the, the heads are standardized. Well, I mean, I mean as far as, like, the, the actual company that made the charger, I don't know. Sure. On their end, there isn't a 
consistent. What the fuck was that? Uh, it was me hitting the oh, railing okay. with my leg. <laughs> do, do, do. Um, the, keep in mind, the charger's in the car. Yeah, the, but, well, I mean, as far as, like, the, wait, the charger side that, like, you don't control. Sure. Having it not be standardized. Like, that was just a legitimate worry of mine, where it's just like, I just, like, yeah, okay, the plug itself is standardized, but yeah. what about the wiring, all the crap on the other side of the plug? All that's fine, Yeah, but being able to use it. Everyone's got their own membership cards. Everyone's got different rates. All that stuff. It, they could be it's offline. Kind of, yeah, if it's you, totally ridiculous. If you yeah. break the little plastic tab, car won't let you charge. And some truck bros know that, so they go breaking them off, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. So that's I hope right. those people die. Yeah, that's great. Um, anyway, no, this is great news. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting maybe an Ionic 5 or something like that. Something cool. I'm not going to get that. I'm going to keep my Tesla for quite a while. Did, you hear, did you hear about the the Kia um, uh, recall that they had? The Hyundai Kia recall? On the ex- EV6? No, on all their cars. Like, all of their cars. Oh. With uh, the, the, ex- the exploding seatbelts that are, like, basically frag grenades. No, I've had Takatas in my BMWs. I'm sure it's fine. It's just like that, but happens more consistently. Cool. Uh, I heard that they were in the uh, top of the uh, J.D. Power reliability for last year, which is why I know J.D. Power is a joke. Yeah, J.D. Power is full of it. Because those are not reliable cars. No, they're not. They're terrible. Another reason why I don't have Sure does look cool, though. I would like to have a Honda Urban or a Fiat 500. Can you imagine if the new 500 came here? Yeah, I could imagine because it'd be in my driveway. Like probably that's where me it'd too. Be. Yeah, like I would actually buy it new. My only um, gripe about that car is it's. I love the C. Like I would voluntarily buy one with the con- retractable convertible top, but they're all that way, and you lose the actual hatch. So you just get like the little boot flap that opens. Ooh, that's why it didn't come to America. I like to put engines in my car. That's literally why it didn't come to America. So maybe if they make just a regular hatch version, they bring it here. What if they made a 500L electric? Done. That'd be pretty cool. I'd be kind of into that. I like Or maybe bring the Panda. Yeah, or just, just don't even bother with the L. Ooh, speaking of Fiats, this is not. This is actually going to be a segue into my my whole sure. uh, topic. I accept. I was talking about German Craigslist and how great it is. Yes. Uh, I found a Fiat Punto convertible that okay. was like for sale in Japan, actually. I guess it's not German, so this is something to do Germany. But um, <laughs> this For, is just in Japan. Foreign auction yeah, car, it was a foreign auction website-y dealer. But anyway, things. I found a Fiat Punto convertible in yellow okay. for $7,000 imported. I did not know right they made now. those in convertible. Yeah, but it, you can import it like literally right now. Does that $7,000 include the import Including duties? everything to get it to America, and it was a grade four at auction, which like... That's impressive. Yeah, 4.5 is basically the best you can get for a car that's 25 years old. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I want that, but it's really cool. It was kind of great. Like, <laughs> I kinda, I'm a big fan of that. Like, Just got to get a Twingo. It's not like a... It, well, that's the thing. Like, I really want a Twingo, but I'm like, ooh, that's... <laughs> it looks like Gudetama. But like, everyone's going to have a Twingo, and nobody's going to have a Punto convertible. Precisely. Especially bright yellow. Yeah. Oh but God. Twingos are also going to be worth more. They Guaranteed. are, because every time you see it's something in it's mainstream, yeah. well, that's t- yeah. probably why. Every time you see something in mainstream media about 25-year rule, they've got a picture of a f- Twingo. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's because everyone wants German Craigslist is the way to do it. I'm not saying the name of the website, because I don't blow it up. But uh, it's called, I call it German Craigslist. But yeah, German Craigslist is like the spot to go to well, for sure. It's like French Twingos. Craigslist being Le Bon Coin. Well, the, um, the quote-unquote German Craigslist, because you... you 
it's very difficult to junk cars in Germany. Yes. Um, and it's also difficult to pass too. Mm-hmm. You can usually... If they're still road regged or have been in the last year, you know they're good. Even that, you get cars that don't pass tube, and they'll disclose why it hasn't passed tube to mm-hmm. try and sell it. And like, hey, it needs sway bar links. Eight hundred dollars. <laughs> it's great. Otherwise, it just needs sway bar links. Meanwhile, the F one fifty driving next to you has no bushings left in the rear. Exactly. Axle. And I'm like, I will absolutely take the Stringo that needs sway bar like bushings. This sounds great. Like <laughs> the progression is: you import your car from Germany to the U S. You drive it for twenty five years, fix nothing. You try to junk it, but somebody exports it to Radom yeah, exactly. in Poland. Yeah, and, and everything... keeps driving it. Exactly. And then somehow that person from Poland drives into Germany and it breaks down, <laughs> and it's all just a big circle. <laughs> um, but anyway, oh so this, this is segues into my next story, which Ooh. is about Tokyo Auto Salon. Okay. Uh, actually, every year of Carbitrage, we've mentioned how great Dahatsu's display always is they're always so happy and so this year uh they actually don't have a bunch of wild uh different concepts that came out because of a very important thing okay they just released the 10th generation of the high jet oh my god and they got every generation of the high jet there and they released these amazing adorable videos which are at the bottom of the story that i linked from japanese nostalgic car uh about the history of the high jet it's so stinking cute. Oh, look how great one. that is! It's amazing. It's so great. I just, I love it. It's the entire history of the hijack. It's just so fun. Like, there's nothing to not love about the history of the hijack. So, what was the first year of the hijack? 1960, right there. Oh, okay. I just said. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I don't know how to read symbol-based languages. Well, it said one nine six zero. That's a nine. Looks like an O with a straight line under it. Which is what a nine is. No, because the little lines on the right side of the Yeah, circle. but it's, okay, it's a little weird. It's just a That that's looks a like font one, thing. a stick figure's well, neck look and head. Oh, how cute these are! Oh, it looks like a Subaru 360. Well, that's how cute they all were. Because in Japan, by law, it had to be adorable in the 60s. <laughs> like, it's just a fact. I went and pulled the law books. It's yeah, true. It's literally it a translates. Lot. Uh, it's, Your car it's, must it's, be 659cc or less, <laughs> two-cylinder or less. No more than 30 horsepower. Yes. Must be adorable. And it has to have two doors or more. Wait, what was that last time? Two doors or more. No, no, no. Before that, it has to be adorable. Yeah, exactly. Well, who's rating that? Like the entire Japanese public? Why? Yeah, yeah no, we, we decided collectively that it has to it be adorable. It needs to be adorable. Oh, look at that paint job. Look how great that is. It's, oh, it's little eyebrows. Little four-wheel drive, 80s surfer just, high jet. They're so great. I just love it. And so I'm just so happy that the high jet, also a vehicle that perennially is forever like as cheap as you can possibly get out of Japan. I do like that the Hijet hasn't been the same type of vehicle the entire time. No, either. they changed it. Like it was a little hatchback, then it turned into a like a Daihatsu midget almost. Yeah. And then it turned into a minivan. Well, they still make the minivan. Oh, okay. uh, so the Hijet minivan, they make a Daihatsu van. Okay. They make a Daihatsu deck van, and they make a Daihatsu Hijet truck, which is what you see. I see. Yeah. Okay. And then they also make a luxury one called the Atri. <laughs> which has like cloth seats, <clears throat> two visors, a passenger heater vent, you know, luxuries. But that is luxury. Um, yeah. uh, like a stereophonic stereo that isn't monophonic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the alternative was well, to stereophonic. To be fair, like I actually had to write that at work, I had to write monophonic radio. And the editor 
said a AM FM stereo. I said, nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. This, if you have to go back. The speaker is actually built into, I know it looks weird, but there's a speaker directly below the cassette deck. Sometimes it's, it's modified. in the deck, sometimes it's in the dash. It, yeah, yeah, no, it's all it's one unit because it's, it's the hot suit and they're not going to make two dashboards. They make one dashboard and they'll have a block off plate. But what it was, is their base model Hijet stereo was a, on the right side, you had your little LCD display for your, like AM FM tuner. Uh, also D and L C D stands for display. So you don't have to say Oh, you have your after. little L C D. Thank you. And um I guess, right, since we're liquid, arguing semantics li- liquid, anyway. Liquid crystal mm. display, yeah. Um but <laughs> yeah on your on the right side you had the little L C D and then you, you had the little preset buttons and then if you got like the slightly higher trim level it'd come with a cassette player. Mm. So you have a little cassette insert and then directly below that would be a little tweeter for your one speaker for your monophonic stereo. And it would fit in the same slot as a as like Double a single den, den oh, stereo. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was really cool because <laughs> now that I think about that, think of how many like early MR2s mm-hmm. they had um, two speaker stereos, mm-hmm. and so you actually modern like aftermarket stereos. You have to do something like fuckery with the wiring to actually make it not destroy the speakers or destroy itself. Um, so this would be something that'd be kind of useful for like older cars. Very brilliant. Thank you, Dahatsu. It's gonna say no problem if you have to replace the head unit because there won't be any speakers to connect it to. <laughs> there won't be. You just you <laughs> plug it right in. Done. Well, that's kind of smart. I mean, if you're working with like a double din space and you, you you have to your point one dashboard for all your trim lines, yeah. why not just take the bottom half of that radio, embed the speaker? Like it's plenty. I'm sure. Yeah, it, I'm sure it works fine. And they did it for like the majority of the life of the Hijet. So. Very cool. I love Dahatsu. I love Dahatsu so much, and every year they crush it. So, I mean, once again, once again, not failed. That's adorable, but I also kind of miss the concepty. Like, don't worry, they'll be right back to that. Okay, fancy colors. Who knows? They might for um, for the they might come out with something later on, like this year for one of the other big shows. So, Hmm. I hope so. I, at very least next year. I mean, we got a lot of that with, what was it, Citroen with their... Oh, yes, yes. The ME. Yes, it's true. Okay. All right. Back to serious, serious topics. Right, serious. The NE, which that's going to that's gonna be hard to get used to saying. So nee. the post-ND nee. Miata. The, the, the nee. Miata that says, nee. <laughs> the Miata says, me. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So we've solved it. There it is. So the next-gen Miata, which there will be no Fiat built on, I'm sure, which is really lame is going to have at least an optional electrified plug-in mild hybrid system, which I clicked on this only because A, Miata, and B, electric convertible. Like, I'm really into that whole concept. However, the more I read about this, the more I'm disheartened. So what this essentially amounts to is going to be a regular combustion engine, rear-wheel drive, front-engined powertrain. Okay. Between the engine and the thing I'll get to later, there is a 35-horsepower electric motor, kind of like the IMA and the first-gen Insight. Yeah. In each front hub, there will be a 22-horsepower motor, which is interesting. All-wheel drive? Yep. Weird. So through-the-road hybrid in that sense. But, yeah, all-wheel drive Miata is going to be a little strange. I may be here for it, but weird. If you're going to do all-wheel drive like that, like hub motors just to get you unstuck is the way to do it. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, 3.5 kilowatt hour battery. So we're not talking about much range here, but that could still potentially get you 10 or 15 miles of all electric, which is kind of cool. 
might be enough for a river road or to get you one way to work. The biggest, you know what that will get you is away from stoplights. Correct, and it does add seventy horsepower. Yeah, that's a noticeable difference. All down low. All yeah, that mm -hmm. and like that's going to be a real world increase in fuel economy. So correct. Yeah, and I really hope that we never got this with the ND, but Europe got the one point five, which. Pretty much every journalist liked more than the two-liter engine, even really? though it was significantly less powerful because it was so revvy, oh. and it just kind of made yeah, it no, hark that, back to yeah, the, no, that, that's that's what the Miata is supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, this will have a big, heavy electrified system. So I'm not sure if the one five is going to be as good a fit there. I'm Wonder, sure they'll run the bigger engine. I'm horrified about how much this is going to weigh. Oh, I haven't gotten to the heavy stuff yet. This also indicates nothing about a manual. So oh. either an automated. Single clutch automatic or a torque converter auto. I'll take the torque converter auto, I guess. I would, too, over that other option. But, like, if that's your only option in a Miata... I'm done. Yeah, I'm not interested in the Miata that no, says, I'm, I'm totally uninterested in the knee. Uh, that sounds awful. So, I mean, I clicked on this with such high hopes, and then it was... I, I actually read it for once, if, which is... It, I regret doing that. If I see... So, I will... I'm... I usually... Do not consider a car lightweight if it's above 2,400 pounds. Okay. Um, I will give EVs 3,000 pounds sure. to be considered lightweight. If this is under 3,000 pounds, I'll be interested. It will be. A 3.5 kilowatt hour battery is only about 100 pounds now. There's a lot of hefty shit happening here. There is. And the, you still have to account for safety equipment. Mm -hmm. You still have to account for actually added safety equipment because the added weight of the drivetrain. Um, you have to add, you have to count for it's all true. the other I mean, crap. Sticker, everything. Yeah, there's a lot of other weird crap that has to happen with this. Whether just like the chassis and stuff to like account for that. Maybe uh, we'll maybe we'll get a manual one with none of that electric shit. If I could get it, even a lot, even electric, it just, it just needs to be under three thousand pounds. That's my thing. It's three thousand pounds. I bet it. I bet it will be. Also, I, mean, that... I kind of like hate Miatas, so I guess I'm okay with this. It's like 600 pounds more than the current like touring trim ND, so I think it, it'll come in under that. I just, I just mm, it's, mm. But what if they made uh, 124 Quadra Formaggio? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. My, my, my thing is, all right, so with, with Miatas, and the thing about them is people try to treat them like collector cars, and thank God they made entirely too many of them to actually <laughs> like, suppress the price into oblivion. <laughs> Because they're not supposed to be collector cars. They're supposed to be cheap, fun cars. Mm -hmm. And like, Yeah, I never cringe when I see an NA being driven in the snow. No, like, I'm, I'm happy for that person. They're having a good time. Yeah, but, like, yeah, it's just the reason I ended up never buying one was that people always are trying to treat them like they were a collector car. And they're not supposed to be treated that way. They're supposed to be driven, like, hard. And they're... Like, neat, like, Mazda has their little, like, restoration program because people love them. I get that. But, like, just because your Miata is restored doesn't mean you should treat it like a collector car. It's not. It's just not. It's literally not. It's the best-selling hatch or roadster of all time. It's anything but a collector car. Mm -hmm. It's just a very fun, good car. Very nearly a belly button. Yeah. It's very near. It, it pretty much is a belly button of a car. <laughs> like, it's, it's the small-block Chevy of a car. 
I mean, so. I almost bought NAs a couple times, but there was always something else that I either owned already, like the MR2, yeah. which I preferred genuinely, or there was the E30 section of my life, so it just it wasn't good timing. Yeah, it was bad. Well, I mean, you didn't miss anything. No, right? and the Fiat is so good. So. And, like, don't get me wrong. The Miata, like, to all things considered, like, in a bubble, a Miata is a good car. Yeah. Oh, yes. But when you take the entire world into account, Miatas are no longer good cars. Because no Miata in the world should be worth more than $5,000 as soon as they're used. An ND should be worth more than five grand. I guess because it hasn't fully depreciated, but every, every single one should depreciate below $5,000 and stay there forever. Yeah, the, uh, the what do you call it when it's depreciating? The, the, the floor, the plateau. Yeah, the plateau. The plateau should always be, yes, less than five grand. Yeah, no, they should plateau as cheap as possible. So I, I think that a Miata should be worth no more money than a Mirage. Like that's because that's what it is. It's a it's a mirage for car people. Sure. A mirage is the most basic form of transportation. Miata is the most basic form of fun car. That would be a totally decent two car garage for yeah. the average. Actually, family. that'd be a really good car. I, I would actually enjoy owning that garage because I could get that entire garage in a good world that isn't wrong for like six grand. Mm-hmm. The whole garage and also both good fuel economy. Yeah, and both just, pretty fun. I would fun, just enjoy myself. Cheap to insure. Yeah, they're just good cars. Like I would really love that. So. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was going to uh, Wisconsin for work, uh, for Madison, yeah. earlier uh, last week, and I was using autopilot. But there was a, I had to lane change over because there was a mirage merging out in the middle of Wisconsin. Oh, no. Clearly stone cold, and the person was just going for it. Yeah. Move back over, and they finally get on the highway, and they immediately like boomerang into the left lane and then come back into the right lane. And like, I was cruise control at 85. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know how fast Mirages can go, but that one was booking. I don't know how fast they can go, but it's pretty close. They can go about 100, maybe. So that one was V maxed, <laughs> secondary cruise control. I'm just like, ah, it's good. To be fair. I um, I genuinely like cars where I can just have the cruise control be my shoe positioned underneath the brake pedal. First gen 580 like, is perfect. Like for like, that. like like kind of ramped so it's like lodged in between the brake pedal and the gas pedal, and then I'm just like not breaking the law. Like it's great. Like, What's that? Oh, uh, it's my old window washing pole. The head fell off of it. Why is it in your car still? It's my cruise control. Look, just pin it. Just pin the throttle and. Yeah, we're good. Let's keep it in fifth gear. And it's got so much overdrive, it will never blow up the engine. The engine is revving at 3,000 RPM and doesn't have enough guts to get past that. And yep. we're happy. It's yep. physics. It's wonderful. <laughs> we love physics here. Simple, simple science. Right? Yeah, it's just science. Um, well, speaking of autopilot, um, for the 583 millionth, 157,297th time, autopilot doesn't stop you from being a bell end. Correct. Uh, this guy uh, hit. Black Ice in his Model 3. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we, while he was on autopilot, and the car went bananas. Oh, my God. Yeah, it destroyed. So far left lane, all the all way over to the, to the right. right lane, hitting a Veracruz? Yeah, Veracruz. Good on that Veracruz. That's held up really nicely for what happened to it. Like, if you actually look at that Veracruz. It landed Veracruz, on its feet, too. It landed on its feet, but, like, wow, yeah, more importantly, roof is it, yeah, perfect. Like, that's solid, like. And so this, um, then, wow, the Model Three hit that abundant hard. It's actually a, it was a it was a uh, Santa Cruz, not a Veracruz. Veracruz. Oops. Yeah, no, it uh, it really hit that embankment. But um, yeah, no, that's um, the Santa Cruz. Is Winter actually... tires. Yeah, exactly. Winter tires. Winter tires. That's always a performance. Yeah, we got Pilot Sports on it. The idiot. Yep. Well, it was a performance. Now it's a. <laughs> now it's gonna be now turned. It's a parts car. It's gonna be turned back into a washing machine. 
Um, and that uh, poor Santa Cruz. You know what? That's it's a actually, brand new vehicle. That's actually really nice because that Santa Cruz is actually it did a really good job, like doing its thing mm-hmm. and took care of the driver and it's just. I would get a Santa. I would get a, a Santa Cruz. I actually really badly want a Santa Cruz. Well, I mean, the Ridgeline isn't fun anymore, so now you just. That's get a just. Santa it's Cruz. a good. It's a smaller Ridgeline. It's got four cylinder turbo in it. It's great. Like I think you know what we never did the Modis. I'm gonna give the Santa Cruz uh, Carvetrage Car of the Year. I think we should probably do a Modi Award when Jan is like available again. Probably should. We'll do that next n- next time we record. We'll do our second episode be the Modis, and it'll be quick. I'll need to go watch some like video reviews on it to see if it's actually good. It's automatic only, but it's a truck, so who cares? But yeah, I, that can be your your elect for the Modis. I think, I that's think, fine. I think that's gonna be my elect for the Modis because that's such, it's such a good truck. I like, think mine, my, I'll be the CT5 5B Blackwing for 2021. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that car. Mm-hmm. I like that car. Mm-hmm. I like that car. No, I mean, I understand that you like it, but for <clears> me, it's just it's such a wet fart of a car because it's a Cadillac. The Modi's, I understand. Just like, yeah. If I actually had to go put my own money down on a new car, that's basically for sale, what the Modi's are, yeah. So I mean, we'll, that we'll, was like the Mark V, not available in a manual yet, even though it is now, kind of, and I still would have bought one. There's a person that posted a mark five like in chicago car spotting which is like one of my favorite groups because it's just people in chicago pointing out cars in traffic <laughs> and people responding that are also from chicago uh, so also stuck in traffic everybody is irate <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's a, everybody's an absolute just jackass. having a bad time every single person <laughs> in the in the whole group is a complete jackass and they have no time for each other but they're taking time out of their days to yell at each other it's a really great group <laughs> so awesome <laughs> this guy posts a picture it's like usually it's people like Posting like Aventadors at street parks, like it's like in the snowbank, sure, like just like actually cool things to spot cars doing in winter. And this guy posts a picture of a Mark V Supra parked in a snowbank on the side of the road in like it wasn't in Chinatown, it's just north of Chinatown on the west side, like Downers Grove or something, not Downers Grove. Closer, anyway. So, in like Lincoln Park or something, <laughs> okay. um, like like I at the edge of Chicago before it gets to the shitty suburbs, um, and it was just like in the snowbank. Probably and the uh, OP posted just a photo of the car and a sad face, and it said it's just a BMW five series or it's a BMW Z four. It, it said no, it's just an automatic BMW in the snow. Who cares? And the guy's like, bah, 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 and everybody else is like, no, he's correct. This is an automatic BMW. <laughs> Driven in the snow. This is a normal car. Mm-hmm. This is all this is. It's just a normal vehicle. It's a commuter car. It is a normal commuting. vehicle that's difficult to get things into the back of. Probably all this. true. I, I haven't actually tried putting anything in the back of a in 91 I assume it's just can't be. Brian May brought one to my house once, and I didn't bother to like I, even get in it. I, I guess I, I've been in it. I mean, it feels nice. I mean, like also Z4 feels nice. I don't know. But like, this is the thing is. Uh, three series because those four doors, by default, is gonna be easier to get things into and out of. Correct. Like I also say that the benefit. Also, it's only a two seater, so it doesn't even matter because it's not even a real Supra because Supras are two plus twos. That's my top. I'm, I'm just ending. I'm gonna end the whole episode right there Kay. on that. Bye. <laughs>